Welcome to the Pat Split Podcast presented by SB Nation. I am your host, Stephen Thompson. Alongside me, Chris Blackie. Tonight we're joined by one of the newer editors for Pat's Pulpit, Brian Phillips. How's it going, man? Hi, fellas. Not too bad coming off this uh, big victory. How are you guys doing? Doing good, man. Yeah, I don't know about you, but Chris and I are like, we get pretty giddy when we start talking defense. So, pretty impressive what they did Sunday. Uh, I think, uh, you know, it was easily the best, eas- easily the best uh, performance from the defense this year. Obviously, you know, there's not many offenses that they faced that, that were in peak form um, like this, uh, like this Minnesota offense was, but uh, I mean, in my opinion, the game was won on both sides of the ball in the trenches and uh, it's, it's not, something we've seen a ton from the Patriots defense this year as far as dominating up front. But, um, you know, we saw it in week one against a weak offensive line in, in Houston. And we saw it, uh, we saw it this weekend, a lot of pressure on Kirk Cousins and just moving him off his spot just a little bit and getting him to, to uh, make some timely uh, inaccurate passes. And, um, you know, it's so funny how just a couple of, uh, a yard underthrown or overthrown can change the entire ball game. You're talking about the Adam Thielen, a uh, deep ball, and then the uh, the pick to G- uh, J.C. Jackson and Jerron Harmon at the end. You know that ball's one more yard out in front of them, and we were looking at a whole different ball game. But uh, it was a team effort. It was, it was pretty awesome. I loved it. What did you make of the movement that they were doing a lot on on the defensive side, the scheme of the whole game? What did you make of that? Yeah, I saw Evan Lazar for CNLS Media was talking to uh, to David Andrews about it in the locker room after the game, and he said uh, that they faced that in Tennessee, and uh, it's something that, that that the Patriots' offensive line is used to seeing, and that it puts a lot of pressure on uh, on the offensive line to make post snap reads. So you can't diagnose obviously what's going on before the snap, um, and it creates just a ton of confusion. And that's and then and then. You know, I feel like in the offseason when we're trying to, to nitpick, uh, the, you know, the Patriots defense and the draft needs and everything. And, um, you know, oh, we, well, we, we're all set on pass rushers. We need guys that can, you know, we need we need you know, pass coverage, linebackers, this and that. And then, you know, Bill Belichick just rolls out the same is the same you know, set of, you know, five or six, 270 pound guys, 250 to 280 pound guys that can all play with their hand off the ground, you know. And you've got Trey Flowers at 270 playing on the nose. He's the only guy down on the line. And you don't know who's coming, you know. And uh, when you have an offensive line like Minnesota's, um, you know, that that has been through a ton of injuries and they're not that talented in general, uh, that's 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 going to put a lot of, uh, a lot of like uh, like Evan was reporting, a lot of post-snap uh, pressure. So that seemed to work. Yeah, it reminded me of the defense back in the day with Willie and see more on those boys. Chris Slade. When, um, mm. Yeah, well, that's even going back further. Slade. <laughs> Jesus. That's back when Parcells was around. Yeah, see, that's like when I first started. So I, I'm just old enough to, you know, when, like in 94 um, is when I started really understanding what was going on, you know, with with uh, Patriots football. And so it was a, a tough first couple of years. And, you know, obviously 96 is okay, but um, I, I always used to love Chris Slade, man. Chris Slade was my guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been a defensive guy forever and a day. I like Slade a lot. It was weird because 
you know, he was a force for a while, and then Parcells would make him like a third down person a lot. And he would like, he'd make plays, but he just kind of went down after that. It was kind of strange. But, um, yeah, overall, I, I'm hoping that they're going to keep up with the motion on defense. Just keep doing it, though. Be, you know, if it's working, why change? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you look at it with, uh, you know, just from a health standpoint, I mean, this is the healthiest Patriots defense we've seen in, I don't, I, I don't know how long, uh, it, probably ever to this point, in this, uh, this point in the year. I mean, when you talk about critical injuries, I mean, really really the only guy that they're, they're truly missing is, uh, you know, I mean, obviously guys like Eric Rowe are out uh, on IR, uh, and, but Jawan Bentley, who looked promising, the linebacker out of Purdue, uh, looked promising in the preseason. But, man, when you're talking about just rolling out, I mean, they had Duke Dawson, second-round pick, inactive this week, just a healthy scratch, uh, you know, and they're rolling out undrafted guys like J.C. Jackson, and you know, um, they even got Keon Crossan on the roster too, uh, and he's uh, he was a healthy scratch this week as well. Obviously, he's been more of a special teams guy, but I mean, they are rolling out tons of depth uh, where their inactive their uh, their game day inactive list is, is filled with guys who uh, who would be active on I feel like just about you know just about every other team. Guys like Derek Rivers, um, who who's shown promise. Right. Um, you know, because when you're rolling out uh, defensive fronts and, and uh, hell, I think even Danny, yeah, Danny Shelton was inactive this weekend. You know, and, and that's a form, you know, former first round pick guy that they traded and, um, you know, invested some capital in this year. And um, they're, they're just able to roll out these amorphous fronts and, and, and all kinds of different looks and different pressures. And it's a lot different than uh, as far as a pressure standpoint than what we saw last year with Patricia. So, I mean, we with with health and depth, um, that's that's going to be huge going down the stretch. Right. Aside from the health and the depth that they have going on right now, do you see anything different between the Flores defense compared to Patricia, or is that pretty much, you know, the pinpoint of what's going on this season? You know, I think uh, obviously their blitz rate is up. Um, they are dialing up more blitzes, which we've been clamoring for forever, obviously, but when you don't have, I mean, I can't, I can't put so much of it on Patricia, especially the last couple of years. When you look at um, a lot of people want to pile on right now, obviously uh, with, with the job he's doing in Detroit, things aren't going great. And then Brian Flores steps in and, and, and things are looking awesome in new England. But uh, when you, you know, when you're working with guys like Eric, I mean, the Patriots depended on Eric Lee and James Harrison off the edge down the stretch all year left, you know, the entire <laughs> second half year last year um right you know it, but now now you've got adrian claiborne dietrich wise uh you know you got rivers inactive uh and and you've got van noy and Hyde and high towers all these guys rotating off the edge um and then i mean you've got butler butler adam butler has been awesome on the interior he's one of my favorite guys to watch he's he's awesome on third downs uh and i i just wish they would play him on on more early downs over malcolm brown to be honest but um, but really, I'm not seeing a ton different. Uh, you know, maybe a couple of, um, you know, they're really, they're really letting Stefan Gilmore do whatever he wants to do out there. Um, at, last week, obviously, they they split, you know, responsibilities between between Thielen and Diggs. It didn't really matter who was who, uh, you know, who was who or who was on who. But um, the, again, there really hasn't been a ton different from a scheme standpoint. Just a few more blisses. Yeah, that's a good point, Thompson. 
Yeah, what do you think of J.C. Jackson so far? Like, I, I want to pump the brakes just a little bit on him. You know, like, I, I like the way he looks. I like I like what I'm seeing is from a physicality standpoint. Um, I was talking with Ryan Kieran um, on the post-game show after uh, after the game on Sunday, and uh, he was talking about he, he specifically was watching him uh, during the game, and I, and I still have to go back and watch the tape on him. But uh, his processing, his mental processing isn't, it's what you'd expect from an undrafted guy. He's, he's obviously not like the super instinctual um, fire off the ball, you know, you know, super, super instinctual, going to read it and, 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 you know, read and react type of guy. He's, he's pl- he plays his man. Um, he, I, obviously he's physically gifted, but when you, you pair a guy, you know, when you've got the physical gifts that JC Jackson has, uh, you know, and if he, if he did have those killer instincts and that, that uh, mental processing speed, he would have been a first or second rounder, you know, um, because he's, you know, he's big and rangy and uh, he's physical. Uh, I thought he played well, obviously when, you know, when you make a, uh, make some big plays like he made in that game, uh, I thought he was, I thought he was a little grabby. I personally thought both of those calls were pass interference calls that he had. Um, the second one for sure was a pass interference, but um, the first one, I thought he didn't get his head around just in time, but uh, I mean, when you're, when you're taking, uh, taking the ball out of Adam Thielen's hands uh, and you're making big time, big time plays. And I know he had a big tackle uh, on a third down as well. Um, that's encouraging stuff, you know, especially when you have Eric Rowe go out and you replace him with a JC Jackson. I mean, they just, again, we get, it gets back to the depth. They just keep rolling guys out there. And it's just like, you know, it's, it's like, he's just moving up, the, moving up the depth chart. And uh, I mean, if Eric Rowe is healthy, I don't even know if you'd play him over JC Jackson at this point. Yeah, he's been pretty impressive the time he's been playing and the snaps are going up every week. So that's promising as well. Yeah, it's definitely something where they're they're seeing him in practice and they, you know, for, for him to go to, to be starting over a guy like Keon Crossan, who's clearly faster, um, you know, he's, he's more physically gifted from, you know, a speed and slot corner perspective. Um, they're clearly seeing something in practice from him on a, on a day-to-day basis. Cause you know, you know how Bill and you know, the Patriots work. If you're, if you're not practicing well, you're not going to play. So um, obviously for him to be getting snaps over guys like Jonathan Jones uh, and, uh, and, and beating out Keon Cross and, and, and Duke Dawson, even, um, even though Duke's coming off that injury, uh, obviously he's healthy enough to be active. Um, but uh, he's beating him on the game day roster. So they like what they're seeing in practice. And that's where, that's where 99% of the evaluation is done on these guys, you know, uh, that we just don't, we just don't have access to it. We just don't see it on a daily basis, but the Patriots, you know, the teams are the ones that are with these guys every day and see uh, how they're progressing and and how they're picking up the defensive playbook and everything. So uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's encouraging. Yeah, definitely. confused about Derek Rivers and why he's not seeing the field and to me is he just must not be catching on in practice I have no answer for it have you read or heard anything otherwise you know uh you know I mean he he, he toes the party line when it comes to uh when it comes to sound bites um I think honestly it's just a it's just a matter of there is so much depth ahead of him that it's just tough to it's tough to crack him on you know if he's not going to provide on special teams then there's really not a, much of a point to have him active you know um, when you have guys like Keontae Davis who are going to provide more on special teams um, you know for a guy that's going to be just rotating in because I know I know Davis has been rotating in 
uh, and getting snaps on defense. Um, but but when you're talking about a depth, a, you know, a, a depth position like uh, like what Derek Rivers plays, um, he's obviously behind the depth chart, uh, you know, behind Dietrich Wise, behind Keontae Davis, behind Adrian Claiborne, behind. And then obviously they have Van Noy, they have a high tower. They they have more than enough pass rushers to where uh, if he's, he's far enough down on the depth chart that he's not a guy providing for special teams snaps. So, you know, they, they just can't there's just not enough room. On, uh, on game day with 46 guys. That's how I look at it. And cause I, I saw so much, so many good things in preseason in that Redskins game that, you know, from a pass rushing perspective that, uh, that looked promising. So it's, it's, it's disappointing, but again, I think it comes from a place of positivity because there's just so much depth. Yeah. I love Van Noy, Jesus. Uh, I rave about him on a daily basis, just about what I think. What do you think, Steve? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he's – I call uh, him the president of the fan club. <laughs> as long as he's not guarding, you know, wheel – you know, running back on a wheel route in, in down in Miami this weekend, I'm fine. He's been he's been, yeah. a, he's been a killer in the box um, and, uh, and setting the edge in the run game, uh, those A-gap blitzes and – uh, and, and rushing the passer, he he was a big part of the. He, he set up that Trey Flower sack deep in the second half, um, running that twist and that stunt in the middle of the D line, uh, clearing out the the right tackle for Trey Flowers to get inside untouched on that sack. Um, but yeah, he's a heady player, man. He, he's been he's been playing his ass off this year, and uh, as long as he's not guarding running backs in space on wheel routes, I'm fine. You know. Right. He's just We've a seen it too many. He's a heady player. He's wicked yeah. intelligent on the field. Oh yeah, I mean he's he's a kind of guy that that they you knew that they when they t- were talking to Detroit about acquiring him, because um, I know they worked him out in the pre-draft process. Um, obviously, he's a second rounder, and we know that the Patriots love going after these high pedigree guys um, for these late you know these late round picks for high pedigree guys that they know that they liked in the pre-draft process but couldn't quite get their hands on. Um, and, and they're, you know, they've used them perfectly. Are you as impressed as I am with the player Jason McCoy this year? Oh, I, I'm, I'm like head over heels <laughs> about him. I, I can't, I, I'm, I'm just so happy with what, what he's done. I'm so, I'm so excited for him that he's, that he's in this environment. Cause you see, you just see how excited he is. Uh, and these, in these, these locker room, uh, clips that they have out every week, you know, um, but the guy's been, the guy's been awesome. I mean, just flat out awesome, and he's been playing fast too. I mean, he he's not playing like you know it's his ninth or tenth year in the league. He uh, he looks spry. He's able to cover uh, anybody. You know, any any of these wide receiver matchups. Uh, obviously, nobody's gonna you know no, nobody's gonna run with a guy like Tyreek Hill. Obviously, but um, you know he he looked even though Stephon Diggs was uh, was hampered this week. He looked he looked very good against you know. Uh, who who I consider the best receiver in the NFC North is Stephon Diggs. Um, yeah. You know he, he he looks good against everybody they put him up against. This is just one big defensive love fest, and I'm glowing about it. Hey, hell <laughs> oh, yeah! They, I mean, they deserve it. They played they played yeah. awesome, and they they really did. And uh, I think um, another guy that uh, that I've been excited about to see how he's been kind of integrated in too is John Simon. Um, who they've had in on third downs. Uh, he, he had a couple of nice pressures in this game and he had the pressure and uh, him and Trey flowers combined 
for the pressure on McCown on that uh, Stephon Gilmore interception in New York a couple weekends ago. So um, I, I mean, it's just another guy. Uh, you know, that's another guy I keep leaving off when we're talking about Derek Rivers. You know, John Simon came in, uh, a veteran, and, and started getting snaps right away because, you know, because of how well uh, and how fast he picked up the defense. And on the, um, he's part of that third down package. There's so many players on that defense that are, are having a great year that's just under the radar. Lawrence Guy's having a great year so far. Like you said, Butler's doing his thing. Even Claiborne, he might not have the stats, but he's starting to make, you know, noise, I think, on that front line. So it's a very uh, encouraging sight. When, with, when I'm yeah, with, with, yeah, with Claiborne, the, the, the only thing that concerns me is, uh, you know, like a matchup like this week um, against Miami – uh, we, we can't have him losing contain again, you know, uh, just blowing right. past the quarterback and lose a guy like Ryan Tannehill will make you pay. And, and the dolphins aren't going to win this game unless the Patriots are doing uh, it's so frustrating when it happens. We saw it obviously in September with Blake Bortles and, you know, we, we, we see a lot with, with the page when, when they can't get off the field on third downs because a quarterback is running for a first down because they lose contain. Um, it's demoralizing, you know? Uh, oh yeah. You know, and We've it, obviously it's a little easier to do when you're playing a guy like Kirk Cousins, but um, you brought up Lawrence Guy, man. He's always been a guy that like I I, I like him. It's not that he's not great. Uh, I just never saw what everybody else saw. He doesn't make he, he wasn't making a ton of plays, you know, on the other side of the line of scrimmage. He wasn't blowing things up like uh, like I thought people thought they saw last year. But um, this year with kind of the same thing, and his his pro football focus grade has been through the roof. And until the last couple of weeks in, in New York and this week or the two weeks that really he stood out to me as a guy like, oh, OK, this is what people have been talking about. I haven't seen it personally. I try to look for it. and I haven't seen it. Uh, but he was he was dominant in this, this Minnesota game. Absolutely dominant. I know we, you brought up flowers a lot. I am so hoping that they can figure out a way to bring him back next season going to cost you, but I just, I've got my fingers crossed. So let me throw this hypothetically out to you. You can only sign one person. Do you sign Trent Brown or do you sign Flowers? Ooh, um, I think Brown is going to come a little cheaper um, (laughs) just because of his pedigree. But, but, you know, this free agency period, I think, is going to blow the top off of everything. And we say that every year, but I think And we see guys that get numbers on the open market and and it blows our minds, right? Like Sammy Watkins, uh, the deal he signed last offseason. You know, guys, you know, that's just what happens when these talented guys get on the market and there's more than one team bidding for their services. The cap has gone up again. It's going to go up. It's projected to go up somewhere between 187 and 190 um, next year. Um, And teams are rolling over a record amount of cap space. The Colts are going to be out there with like 110 million in cap space and, uh, teams teams are gonna are at the point now where they're gonna have to start spending money. Um, the, a team like the Colts is behind the the cash spending floor, the four year window that you have to spend eighty nine percent of the league cap um, by twenty twenty. The, the Colts are behind that number. That's how much cap space they've been rolling over. They literally have to go out and start signing guys. So if I'm an agent, you know, for for Trey Flowers, um, I'm sorry, I'm not taking anything less than seventeen million a year, like minimum. Uh, and I just don't see the Patriots doing it. Um, that, that's just not that's just not how they roll. We know that. Um, if, if you're asking me who I think it's more likely that they sign, I think it's more likely they sign Tr- uh, Trent Brown. 
Um, if you're asking who, who, if, you know, money wasn't an object, it's Trey Flowers. I think he's the best guy. We talked about everybody on this defense today. The best player on this defense is Trey Flowers. He's, he's, he's the guy, he's the glue, you know, he's the guy that's making everything happen up front. So, um, unfortunately, I don't think they're going to be able to bring him back unless they, you know, franchise tag him, which I still, again, you might as well just sign him. But, uh, you know, again, we, there's that depth there. So I, I don't think they, they get – it's not such a massive blow when you have this kind of depth. Steve? Yeah, that's what uh, – like, I think the only way they're going to be able to re-sign him is if they tag him. Yeah, which is gonna, gonna stink, you know, because yeah, like you said, to. there's, you know, there's every year there's always somebody out there that'll just throw stupid money at them, you know, oh, if yeah, nothing absolutely. else to get them, you know, if nothing else just to get them away from the Patriots. <laughs> right, and and you, you know? look at a team like you look at a team like the Colts. Um, yeah, uh, and I was talking to Ryan Kieran about this on the, in the post game show too. Uh, last off season, I was talking with Giants fans on Twitter about. Um, they were asking me why I thought the, you know, Josh McDaniels, you know, should go and take the, the Colts job over the Giants job. And I said, the Colts job is, is infinitely better. You have, you have Andrew Luck, you have a clean slate because you can get out of some, some bad contracts that they had. Yeah. The roster was bad last year and it's not great this year, but you have Andrew Luck and you have a high draft pick last year and you have money, you have, you have cap resources. And you put a guy like Trey Flowers next to Jabal Sheard, a former Patriot, uh, they're basically the same guy. Um, those are two. Those are two uh, really tough guys to deal with, uh, as, as far as you know, versatility on the edge. Um, on, you know, they're out on the edge on early downs, kicking inside on on third downs, um, and you pair that with a couple more draft picks and some more money that they're going to go out and spend. That the Colts could be a serious, you know, a serious contender. They're still in the the playoff hunt this year. Speaking of McDaniel's, what's your overall view on him? Uh, I, th- I I always have thought that he gets a bad rap um, when the pa- Patriots aren't doing well. Obviously, um, yeah, I think the rumors this week uh, swirling around like the, like they always will um, about you know obviously him going to Green Bay and this and that. Uh, I I honestly think after he what he what he did with the Indianapolis situation last year, um, I think he, they they had a serious talk. Obviously, he got a nice little pay bump uh, from from Bob Kraft. Um, and, and some assurance that, hey, you know, the, the, this is, this, the writing is on the wall here for Bill's future, and this is what we want to do. And, um, you know, don't uproot your family and everything. Stick around. I don't think – I personally don't think he's going anywhere. But, again, it's the NFL, you know. <laughs> who, who, who the hell knows, right? really, right? We, yeah. we really don't know anything, exactly. right? But I, th- I think he's been fantastic this year. Steve? Yeah, I know, like, me and Chris always go back and forth during the game about McDaniels. Like, some of the play calling, to me, is kind of weird. I mean, like, against Minnesota, like, they're pretty much their entire secondary was out, and they were still trying to, like, run it. Me, I would have, like, spread them out more and thrown it all over them, but. Yeah, I guess and, you know, it's you just, know that's, that's exactly what I thought they would do. Yeah. My whole pregame show, this thing, all week long, it's all I talked about was spread these guys out. And we saw that early, and then we saw them get away from it uh, as as Minnesota made some adjustments. And then we saw them get back to it on that touchdown drive to you know to Josh yeah. Gordon. When Josh Gordon's out there on a guy like Marcus Sherrill's, so you just, yeah, that's what you do, right? You throw it to Josh <laughs> Gordon. Um, yeah. 
but uh, but I didn't think that they would be able to do what they did on the gr- on the ground. I mean, they guys they manhandled one of the best front sevens in football. They bullied them the entire second half, or well, let's call it the entire second half of the third quarter and the entire fourth yeah. quarter. You know, uh, and they just they chunk they just peeled off chunk play after chunk play. It, I mean, as as impressive as the offensive line was in New York, what they did to to that defensive line to guys like Linval Joseph and Eric Kendricks and Everson Griffin. I mean, those guys, Sheldon Richardson, they roll like Pro Bowler after Pro Bowler at you, uh, and they just they just like demoralized them the entire the entire the entire fourth quarter. It was it was pretty uh, pretty crazy to see because I didn't think they would be able to do that. I think what we're seeing right now with this Patriots team is a sign the gel is one. And that's a very scary proposition for the rest of the NFL. Yeah, I think the NFL just took notice this week, right? If it doesn't kind of feel that way, I, I think everyone yeah. was like, oh, 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 yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> New England's doing Yeah, New England's like, doing that thing again. Yeah, it's like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it, I mean, what what a great year for it too. I mean, like, I mean, this is going to be an awesome playoff race uh, with all these all this talent. Uh, everybody wants to rip on the AFC about how how down the AFC is. I mean, I mean, watch the Chargers play, man. Those guys are awesome. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's a great team. Uh, it's going to be a tough game next week, uh, obviously. Uh, you know, and then obviously Kansas City they lose Kareem Hunt, but it, you know they'll they'll be fine. They're, they're that's plenty of firepower in that offense. And if you have to go into Kansas city to play, uh, it's going to be difficult. But I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of talent in this AFC. And if the Patriots can get a, a get a buy out of this, uh, uh, out of this regular season, that'd be a quite the feat. Yeah. What Houston's mm-hmm. won nine in a row. Houston's yeah. Houston's won nine in yeah. a row. Yeah. Sorry. I left them out too. Right. They're about <laughs> a complete, a completely different team since we saw them in the, in week one. Yeah. Well, defense yeah. the defense is not a defense you want to play in the playoffs. We've seen it before. No. No, Merciless is a problem. Sure. That guy is crazy. Oh yeah. I mean when when <laughs> now that now that he's healthy and, and obviously JJ Watt, you know, is what he is. He's the, you know, he's probably the best, you know, he's the best player in the conference on defense. Um but Chris Covington. Uh, Chris Covington's a guy that's exploded. Mm-hmm. DJ Reader. I mean, they just they roll guys out like like Minnesota does. Um so I think a rematch with those guys, with how the Patriots, I mean, guys, I'm I'm thinking the Patriots' offensive line is playing the best football of any offensive line in the league right now. There isn't anybody else doing what they're doing. Their sack rates are crazy low. I think they're third, or they were third, I believe, uh, after this weekend in sack rate. Um, we see what they're doing in the run, the run game. Their short yardage has been excellent lately. Obviously, it helps when you got James Devlin doing his thing, right? Mm, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> but uh, I mean. This is uh this is some some old school New England you know some you know this is some old school Logan Mankins, uh mm. you know kind of stuff going on here. It's uh, pretty cool to see. How did you think Burkhead looked in his first game back? I thought he looked pretty good. Um, I uh, I wasn't wild about um, I'm I used to get so excited about the two running back package, you know, him and White being on the field at the same time. Uh, right, but. I think it was kind of forced. Um, I don't know if they were doing it a lot more for pass protection. It, it appears that they were doing it a lot more for pass protection purposes, even though 
Um, from what I saw when I was looking at the, the, the tape a little bit today, Rex made a couple of weird reads on the on blitz pickups. Um, but the problem is the, the problem is when you're when you're on third down and you're in that that formation and you have Gronk out there as well, you just don't have a lot of juice on the field. Um, corners or corner, you know, if you put corners on Rex Burkhead and James White, that that's good enough. You don't you don't there's they're not a mismatch against corners. So if you're playing them against nickel and dime defenses, you're not you're not gaining that much of an advantage, uh, especially on third and long. Um, so I, I felt kind of forced. They weren't very successful with the with that package, um, but I did like seeing Rex get some of those uh, carries. Him and him and Sony splitting those fourth quarter carries pretty much, and just grinding out the you know grinding out the yardage to kill the game. Um, obviously, he's he's uh, he's really good with his ball security. Um, yeah, it was nice to see him get back into the game plan. Right. So we've been talking about what we've all liked pretty much across the board in that game against Minnesota. What didn't you like? Oh, man. Um, You know, if I had to pick one thing, I would probably go with – Huh. I mean, it's, t- it's tough when you're talking about a two-touchdown victory, right? Uh, <laughs> right. Um, I mean, because there were so many aspects in that game where they were good. Uh, you know, special teams. Yeah, they missed a field goal from 48 yards, but uh, Julian Edelman was 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 really good in uh, was really good in his punt returns. They had that hidden yardage everybody always talks about. Um, I guess uh, the penalties. Uh, obviously, there were some ticky tack penalties out there, but then there were some penalties. Gronk didn't have a great game uh, from a penalty perspective. I know he caught a lot of hell on PFW and Progress today with Andy Hart and those guys. Um, but uh, I thought he played better than they characterized his play as. Uh, you know, when you're playing guys like Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to try to get away with a hold every now and then. You know, because um, those guys those guys do things that other guys just can't. Uh, you know, they test you in ways and they get to spots faster than than anybody else you've seen that this year do it. So, so you know, you're not prepared for the speed of a Daniil Hunter. So sometimes you got to get a little, you know, a little tug on him, but, um, and he got a little, Gronk got a little frisky on that one, Julian Edelman uh, end around, you know, down the field on Harrison Smith. But uh, if I did have to pick anything, it would be um, maybe a little bit of the blitz pickup. Harrison Smith um, really impacted the game with uh, that third and one from the one, their own one, uh, that incompletion to Julian Edelman. Uh, was a was a Harrison Smith blitz forced Tom to throw it early, uh, so he he ruined that play. And then um, then Harrison Smith forced the interception. Uh, Tom, you know, with that backside blitz that nobody picked up, he got to he got to do a better job of, of picking up those those uh, those guys who are weapons who are coming uh, coming on those blitzes. Harrison Smith's probably the best safety in the business at doing that, but uh, that's that's what I'll go with. What about you, Steve? Ooh, yeah, definitely the penalties were concerning. Like he said, a couple of them were like, what are you calling type of penalties? Yeah, the, the uh, refs, had a t- refs had a tough tough game. Tough game spotting the ball, tough game, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I still don't think the offense is all the way clicking yet. I still think they have room for improvement like the last few weeks is – I mean, they just seem like they've been off a little bit. I mean, part of it's Gronk being dinged up, even though I think he's off the injury report now, right? It, he's still dinged up. Well, he had that hit pointer, too, from that catch yeah. in the third quarter from, from Harrison Smith. That thing looked like it hurt, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I put me on IR, you know, just, just cut right. me, you know, <laughs> you know, oh man, my hip hurts watching that. And one of the third downs where he got like nine yards and he couldn't get that extra half yard, like the guy pushed him back. Yeah. A little kind you of know, a like, whoa. It looked like he yeah. was kind of caught. Like it looked like he was kind of caught between cutting back and 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 and, and being aggressive and, and playing through through the tackler. That's how I kind of looked at that. Like I thought he felt like he had the guy out leveraged to the inside, um, yeah. and then just kind of didn't. You know, right? Like, <laughs> like like he was kind of like, oh oh crap! Like oh oh no. Yeah, I mean, I just I hope he's just kind of like managing himself until the playoffs type of thing. I mean, but, but I mean, he's, we're talking about, uh, we are talking about like, you know, like 400 and what was it? 470 something yards of total offense against pretty much, a, a, you know, a top five defense uh, where you're looking at 311 through the air, 160 on the ground. Um, you know, you're going to, that's pretty, that's pretty yeah. damn good. That's, that's pretty close to clicking. You know, um, they did have that one, uh, that one field goal from the one, you know, third and one, like we talked about with Harrison Smith's blitz. Uh, you convert yeah. that to a touchdown. I think the score looks a little more gaudy. You know, you missed a field goal too. Um, but uh, that's, that's, yeah. a hell of, that's a hell of a performance. Uh, I think, I think, well, let's look at what they do this week, obviously. Um, yeah. This will be a nice test, right? Because they're, they're used to hanging up 38, 40 points on, on Miami with regularity uh, up in Foxborough. So hopefully they can bring that down to South Beach. That's yeah, been the house of horrors for years and years and years. Yes, it has. Yeah. I mean, I can't wait to see how the Pats defense attacks them on Sunday against the Dolphins. Especially down there. Right. I mean, yeah. We saw what happened last year without Gronk, but Yeah, and you know, they uh it was it was one of those weird games where you know Brandon Cooks just had 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 his worst game of the year. Uh yeah. Xavier, Howard, Xavier Howard locked him out. Chris Hogan was bad. Um obviously they didn't have jewels, uh, and they just couldn't get anything going. Uh and then when you can't when you get tired and you can't stop a guy like Kenyon Drake. Uh, Kenyon Drake just remember, I remember he ran all over him last year. I mean, he just, he just all the entire second half, he could go wherever he wanted to. Mal- Malcolm Brown had a bad game for even Malcolm Brown's perspective. Like he was really bad last year uh, down in Miami. I mean, so you just can't have that. You have to, you have to make Ryan Tannehill beat you. That's, that's going to be the game plan down there. Don't let him out of the pocket and extend plays on third downs. Take care of business, uh, you know, on the outside with the corners. I think we'll be fine there. Uh, and and just you know, don't don't beat yourself by making stupid mistakes like letting Tannehill out of the pocket or getting careless with the football on offense. That's that's pretty much it's. I think I think we'll see a simple, just a simple, no nonsense type of game plan. I, I don't even think they'll try to score thirty some odd points. I think they'll continue with this this running game um, and make it and make Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill beat them. I mean, if so the Patriots played th- their game and football doesn't happen, because, you know, football, things happen all the time in football. Oh, yeah. They should win, and they should win going away. But the history down there is, is, is a little bit of a cause for concern. What concerns you guys the most, uh, like, on that, uh, you know, for – what, I mean, what, what, is, what is the most – from a roster perspective, what's the most – you know, the one thing you can see happening? 
I think it kind of feels almost like a trap game, honestly. Yes, it's a divisional game, but really the big game's coming next week against Pittsburgh. I mean, it's a, it's a hat and shirt day. Conceivably, if you win, you get it. But it's one of those games that it's Miami's Super Bowl, basically. So they're going to be gunning for you regardless. And you've got to take care of business. I worry that they're going to have a setback this week coming up. Looking ahead, looking ahead to Pittsburgh. Yeah, that'd be my I mean, they, concern. Yeah, they haven't really played great on the road all year. Yeah, you know, but yeah. I, I think I think we're looking at you know, obviously, you know, Tennessee was you know, I feel like we're I feel like we're so far removed from that Tennessee game now uh, that I think that was just a whole different team. It's the same team, but I think what they, I mean, what they just did against a Jets team who's always feisty at home, right? It's always a tough game in the Meadowlands. They went in, yeah, it was close for a little while, but they get down 7 nothing, and they ended up outscoring them 27-6 to the rest of the way. They were dominant. Uh, completely dominated them from, you know, the start of you know, halfway, pretty much halfway through the second quarter all the way through the rest of the game. And then, we, you know, it was a pretty dominant, as dominant of a performance as you could expect this last week. Um, so I think I personally think we're we're just seeing them scratch the surface, uh, and I think the fact that this is a hat and t-shirt game um, kind of takes some of that edge off of looking ahead. Uh, these guys, you know, want to get their business taken care of. Yeah, Pittsburgh's on the horizon, but I mean, doesn't the the the, the Pittsburgh game is greatly diminished if you lay an egg in Miami, uh, and I think Belichick's Belichick's going to be talking to them all week long about last week, about last year, showing them clips of last year, you know, that's going to be the number one thing in, in, yeah. in the locker room this week. Guys, don't let this happen again. You remember how that felt? Don't let it happen again. I mean, personnel-wise, it's it's complete mismatch all the way around the, around the board. I mean, who really, who really scares you from a Miami standpoint going up against the Patriots? Well, you know, I mean – if you would have talked to me before this, you know, before this Minnesota game, I would have told you, you know, uh, David Godchalk from, uh, you know, Miami's defensive tackle on the interior is a really, really solid. One of the best run defending two gap defenders uh, on the defensive line. Um, but I mean, what they just did with Linval Joseph uh, and Sheldon Richardson, obviously, and then Leonard Williams and Mike Pinnell and, and Steve McClendon the week before that. I mean, they they've, they've trashed some seriously good defensive tackles the last couple of weeks and have taken care of business on the inside. So the, I personally, like I said, I think that's what they, that's what they go after. I think they want to want to attack them on the interior. Their, their linebacking crew is young. Uh, Kiko Alonso isn't good. Uh, he's not young, <laughs> but he's just not good. Um, no. <laughs> you know, uh, Raekwon McMillan's still learning. He was out all last year. So this is pretty much his rookie season. Um, Jerome Baker, uh, I believe he's a rookie out of OSU. Um, so a couple of OSU uh, linebackers in there, some youngins um, getting a lot of snaps and learning on the fly. I think that's a recipe for disaster for how, you know, when you look at the momentum of teams and which direction they're going in uh, this, you know, this, my, this, this new England rushing attack is not what you want to face. If you're uh, young Miami defenders uh, still, you know, cutting your, cutting your teeth in the NFL. Right. Steve? Yeah, to me, I think the Pats are going to win by a couple touchdowns. 
Yeah, that's I'm, that's yeah. that's that's what I'm I'm leaning toward. I'm I'm looking at like a like a thirty like a thirty two to sixteen type of type of deal. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really think they want to keep that momentum going. I think that's going to be the big thing. They know they know what happened last year in Miami. They're not going to let that happen two years in a row. Um, they, they really they really want to take care of business on uh, this week. And, you know, they'll worry about Pittsburgh the, you know, the following week. Yeah, I think I'll say like twenty-seven ten. I'll take that. Yeah, that'll work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Danny Amendola, uh, guys don't see Danny Amendola getting. The, it's not going to be the Danny Amendola revenge game. No, he's dinged up, isn't he? Like, I think I so. I saw something. Probably. I thought probably. I saw something yesterday. Like he might not play. Like he was iffy. I don't. I have a tough time believing any injury reports right? on Tuesdays. You know, <laughs> Tuesday injury reports are hilarious these days, yeah. especially this time of year. You know, everybody's yeah. questionable. I'm questionable this week. Right. I know I'd be out if I was a player. There'd yeah. be no questionable about it. It'd be doubtful. Yeah. I told my boss, I'm, 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 I'm listed I'm like Tom Brady. I'm listed as probable every day. Right. But, uh, I mean, just looking at their roster from an offensive standpoint, though, uh, I mean, if it's not – if you, I just don't see Devontae Parker having any, any kind of serious impact unless it's in garbage time. Albert Wilson – um, I think he's on IR too. Uh, you know, Jakeem Grant's on IR. Uh, those two are they're two you know, really explosive guys. Kenny Stills, I don't know what happened to Kenny Stills. Uh, he's just completely like he's MIA. He's in Miami. You know, like he's just nobody knows where the hell Kenny Stills is. <laughs> um, and you know, and these are the kind of guys that are rolling out there. You know, so uh, I mean, it's you want to try to give them the benefit of the doubt, but man. When Frank Gore is your really the only guy you need to key in on on stopping Frank Gore and Ken, Kenyon Drake, mm-hmm. you know it's 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 not looking too bad. Yeah, he's pretty much the Bartolo Colon of the NFL. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean he's still doing it, man. It's unbelievable. Uh, the guy. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like we only have five more years of Frank Gore. You know, let's enjoy him while we last, while it lasts, right? Pretty much. The guys I mean, can... on paper, it's a total mismatch, like basically across the board. So they should roll realistically. As long as they stay focused, they'll be okay. Yeah, you should stay with your prediction, Chris. Or a couple of weeks ago, you said they were going to win out. <laughs> well, I'm not. Oh, I'm not changing that. <laughs> I picked 13 and three at the beginning of the season, and I'm standing pat. I'm not budging from it. It's four four games left, so they're in uh, they're Miami, then Pittsburgh, then uh, it's what uh, New York and Buffalo, right? Buffalo, then New York, yeah. Buffalo, New York, okay, yeah, that's right. Both at home. Yep, I'm I'm taking them across the board. Brian Hoyer game, hopefully, and you know, right in that last one, but we, yeah, we'll see. We've got a lot of work left to do before then. Yeah, let's hope Kansas sure. City loses a couple. <laughs> It, you know, that's it's one of the things, too. You know, you look at these teams like Kansas City, New Orleans, uh, you know, Los Angeles. Yeah, they're, they're great teams. They're powerhouses. The good news is you only have to face one of those NFC teams if, you, if it comes to it. And, you know, these, these teams, they all peaked really early. And that's tough. Mm-hmm. That's, that's tough to keep that kind of that kind of performance and that kind of, you know, pre, you know that premium level of play up from, you know, mid-October 
all the way through, you know, the end of December and into January. That's a completely different, you know, it's a, it's a completely different feat all in itself, you know, as opposed to building to a crescendo where we're seeing that with the Patriots. It's a little different because the Patriots haven't really hit that, that ultimate peak. Like where you, like in 2014, we saw them hit this real, this, this cruise on this, you know, this wave, like, right. Yeah. They lost in Lambeau, um, uh, on their way out to beating San Diego or yeah, the San Diego at the time. Uh, and then they just cruised from there. Um, and, you know, obviously the AFC championship game worth divisional game against Baltimore was a little tighter than most people right. would have liked, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, that, but that's what happens in the playoffs, right? That's, that's, yeah. that's part of, that's part of the gig. Like you, you know, it's the playoffs are tough. So uh, I mean, and we saw it in, in 2016, they, they got on a nice, a nice run uh, and just kind of cruised. But um, yeah, if you get you get rolling too early, man, try, trying to trying to keep that level of performance like the Chiefs and and these other teams uh, playing that well, that's that's a tall task. Yeah, like the one team I probably don't want to see is Baltimore in the playoffs. You don't want Lamar Jackson getting on you? No, it's just always. I mean, they've proven over the years that they could come up here and at least make it a problem. You know. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a completely different team now, you know, yeah. I just feel like it's the, I mean, the the team that I really would be nervous about now would be Houston. They've seen them already. Um, yeah. Uh, and so, so obviously there's a familiarity just within the year, within the season. Um, and the team, you know, it's, it's just like the Patriots, the Patriots, Patriots in September are, are a shell of what, you know, of what they are now. And that's the same thing with, you see a team kind of following that same mold uh, and, and playing like, you know, you know, as good a football as they're playing and uh, having a weapon like Deshaun Watson uh, and throwing to guys like DeAndre Hopkins and Demarius Thomas now uh, and, you know, Kiki Cutie, um, man, they are, they're nasty. They're really nasty. Uh, if you, if you can't beat their offensive line on the interior again, then, you know, you you're going to be in trouble because Deshaun Watson's going to pick you apart. Right. Yeah. He's a, he's a really good talent. And, and it's the same, you know, it's the same thing. We, we see like, these are the kind of guys that give the Patriots trouble, right? Cam Newton, um, you know, mm-hmm. even Deshaun last year, uh, you know, on the, the Brandon Cooks game, you know, the, Deshaun had him beat, you know, he played, he played really well that game and he had him beat. He didn't play well this year in that first week, but you know, it's, week one whatever coming off of an acl but uh these are the kind of guys that give them trouble uh pat mahomes you know guys that can extend plays um are you know the patriots that's that's why they don't have these big sideline to sideline linebackers these these smaller guys uh they like to roll these big 270 pound you know uh amorphous fronts at you but uh, that's it's tough to keep a guy like you know deshaun watson corralled with uh, when you have big 280 pound dudes running after him <laughs> Every week, I, I feel like, um, you know, Stanley Hudson waiting in line for pretzel day till Sunday comes. <laughs> <laughs> the next pretzel day. Right, exactly. I mean, at, at this point, at this point, like, Patriots fans are pretty much Michael Scott, right, when he goes up there and he asks for one of everything. Like, I'll have the, the look on his face, right, and he goes, oh, yeah, the works, and he just goes, oh, yeah. That's right, that's exactly. Patriots fans, you know. That's like us, like heading into the playoffs. You know, the, those of us that can enjoy it, right? Like, it's that's the tough part. We have to sit back and just realize, guys, we only have four games left of the regular season. Yeah, crazy. Like, what the hell? It just happened. It just started. 
crazy how fast a season goes by all the time. You know, that's yeah. That's one thing. Like you know, ask a Lions fan how fast it goes by. <laughs> you know, or you know these these teams. Ask them how how fast the season rolls rolls on when they're checking mock drafts and you know in October. So yeah, or the Jets, yeah. Raiders. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't feel quite as bad for the Jets. Those no. folks. Yeah. You spill like that around here for a long time. I remember, I remember, I remember the the pre parcel like the the start of the Parcells days, and then the Pete Carroll days. <laughs> uh, and yeah, the, my dad, my I remember my dad just cursing at the television at yeah. Pete Carroll. He's smug. Look at him. He's yeah. smug. Well, I'll tell you, the 80s was pretty rough. The 80s and early 90s. Aside, aside from uh, Raymond Barry as a coach, it was a disaster. Oh. I'm, uh, I'm, I've just started um, getting through this uh, the Scott Zolak book uh, that he wrote with Jeff Howe. And uh, it's uh, pretty good. It's pretty funny the way he characterizes, you know, because obviously he started, you know, came in, in uh, I believe it was 91, you know, so not the 80s, but, you know, it's pretty much the same thing. You know, the yeah. old Foxborough Stadium, you know, the, oh, the cages for the lockers. Brutal. And um, I do remember I went to one game at old Foxborough Stadium and, uh, yeah, I, I, I won't soon forget that experience. Nope. <laughs> it wasn't fun. <laughs> I still feel like I'm on the what is that? What's that road that comes out of Foxborough? What's the 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 main drag out of there? Whatever that street is, Route One. One. Yeah, Route One. I still feel like I'm on Route One after that game. That's how long it took to get out of there. But <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think I think they go down and take care of business in Miami this week. You have a score yeah. prediction, Chris? I think they're gonna. Um... I'm going to say it again. The defense is going to turn up. Last yeah. week was the springboard. Patriots roll like 30 to 10. Oof. Take that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it would be this interesting one... to see if they kind of do the same thing defensively with the scheme guys running around and stuff, if they're going to keep doing that or if that was just kind of like a – game plan specific move i hope yeah. they do i would mm-hmm. bet that they that they go a little more traditional um just because you want to make sure you're solid on the fronts uh, and you have your run fits ready for uh and your gaps um assign you, you have your assignments in the in the running game for for frank gore and Kenyon drake the only two guys you know if they can get get those two rolling and get a play action passing game rolling. Those are the only things that are really the way Miami wants to, to generate any kind of offense. So if you, if you're in that amorphous front where you've got one guy down and it's kind of a little hodgepodge, obviously I wouldn't expect them to do it on early downs, but um, you know, it, it just makes it a lot easier for, uh, for the offensive lineman to kind of take the game to the front seven, as opposed to the front seven attacking downhill um, and letting those big guys inside kind of work and keep the linebackers clean, but um, we'll see. You know, it, you know, as long as I think, as long as we avoid a 120 yard Frank Gore game, hopefully, mm. hopefully it's not one of those games where it's labeled you know, the Frank Gore game. No. You know, like that's that's when you know it's bad, right? You avoid you anything that, else, Steve. 
Now you want to wrap it up? Yep, sounds good. So, Ryan, where can uh, everyone find you on social media land? Yeah, it's uh, at bphillips underscore sb uh, on Twitter. Um, hey, give us, uh, give Pat's, everybody listening, give Pat's Pulpit uh, a like on Facebook and uh, check out the, uh, we'll have my pre, my two-minute uh, preview blitz uh, either on Thursday or Friday. Um, little quick video. And then check us out. Come join us for the post game. You know, uh, shoot us questions and everything um, on Twitter at Pat's Pulpit or, you know, like us on Facebook and, and hit us up there. And, every, of course, everything will be on the website. But, yeah, we're really excited to get that going. Yep, patspulpit.com. Like, I'm We Play for Titles on Twitter. What's yours, Chris? I'm Chris underscore Blackie, and you can find my articles generally on Pat's Pulpit. Oh, yeah. So thanks, everyone, in advance who listens to this episode. Have a good one. See ya. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Voltron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.